the run and jump defense. Here we go. One of my favorite defenses. And welcome to the Coach's Edge podcast. I'm your host, Steve Kramer of coachesedge.coach. And in this episode, Lance Campbell joins the show as he breaks down their run and jump defense at Croswell Lexington High School up in Michigan. This isn't just a coach who runs the run and jump. This is a coach who does it at a very high level. They've had back-to-back undefeated regular seasons. Two years ago, they won a regional title. They've had district championships. He's been the area coach of the year and a ton of other awards that we don't even have time to get into. The point is they've had a ton of success at Croslex. Their defense, in my opinion, is the biggest part of that. And the run and jump defense is one of the reasons why they've had so much success. The constant pressure that they put on the opponent, the fact that it not only turns the opponent over, it's really wearing them down throughout the course of the game. And in this episode, Coach Campbell really shares with us some of the things that he looks for with the players, with the communication aspect, to come out, uh, the accountability, some of the things that they give up when you're running a defense like this that is really predicated on getting the offense to certain spots, getting into traps, rotating, playing the passing lanes, and much, much more. So thank you to Coach Campbell. I mean, he's, he's one of the best coaching at a high level, really knows the game. He's one of our Coaches Coach members, and uh, he probably gives me a little too much love at the end as he talks about the Coaches Coach membership. But if that is something that you are interested in, you can join the Coaches Edge right now. Coaches Coach, we try to push it a handful of times throughout the course of the year. When I say handful, I mean like two or three times throughout the course of the year. This is one of those weeks where we try to do it because preferably we get new members in at the same time so we can kind of go in through the membership together. And so if you want access to the resources, you want access to, to the videos, the Coach's Edge meetings, the PDFs that we're always creating, sending out, and really the cool community that we have with our Coach's Edge members, go to coachesedge.coach to learn more. And if you have any questions, let me know. Let's get to the show. We're live with the coach, Lance Campbell, Croslex High School, the Pioneers. Just came off another undefeated regular season. Again, one of the top teams in the state of Michigan. Coach just got a handful of awards from a team and coaching perspective this past week that were um, kind of revealed in your area. Players are starting to get some individual recognition as well. So before we get to the run and jump defense, congratulations on another really successful season for Pioneer basketball. Thank you. It, it was a, it was a fun year, a remarkable year. We had a, I mean, it, just a great group of kids last night. We had our banquet. It's, it's always a challenge saying goodbye. Uh, you know, not being in the school, I don't get to see them every day after the season's ending tomorrow. I'm taking the four seniors out for dinner and we'll have a little bit of time together. And, um, but uh, it, it, it's, it was fun. You know, a lot of, lot of memories. Um, they left a legacy, uh, something that, you know, going 22 and one, it's something that um, I don't think many people seen and they believed it and I believed it and our coaching staff believed it. And because of that, we had great success and uh, they'll never be forgotten. It created a, a stir for our community and our area. And, and it, it was awesome. There's something special about successful sports programs, especially in the rural or small town areas where you get to feel the whole community gets behind you. The whole community is pumped up. They're going to the games. They're cheering you on. You know, as you know, you're, you're talking about it at the barbershop. You're talking about it at the local restaurants. You talk about it at the schools. And it's just a really unique feeling that you don't get even in other high level forms of basketball, whether that be, you know, high level AAU, even so at the college level, right. Those kids are being recruited. They're from around the state or multiple States. And so it's, it's just something that you can't, uh, you can't replace. So you guys have done that. And when I think of Croslex basketball, you've, you've certainly had talent. No great team is good without individual talent. You've had players that have gone on to play collegiate baseball, collegiate basketball, uh, football, like you have them. But when I think of your program, I think of defense first and, and watching you guys play, having you as a part of the coach's edge uh, starting last year. Uh, and now this year is your, as your second year with coaches edge coach and being able to watch game film, you guys play, Defense has been a staple and specifically asking you about the run and jump defense as we get into our conversation today. 
Tell us a little bit about your defensive philosophy and how you go about getting your kids to buy into the system and playing so hard. Uh, I get asked that a lot. I get asked, how, how do you get kids to play so hard? And quite honestly, I don't get them to play hard. They play hard and they, they get held accountable. If, if they don't play hard, they're going to get called out by a teammate. They're going to find, they're going to find themselves on the bench. Um, and, and we, we just want to challenge people, uh, especially at the high school level. Typically one, uh, you know, most teams only have one or two primary ball handlers. We really want to get after those couple and we want to force it into a, to a non ball handlers hands. And, uh, you know, and, and if you, it, there's, there's times you got to play two on one, there's times you got to come, you know, you, you, you get caught in a bad switch and we got a big guy guarding a, a great ball handler and they got to understand, Hey, you know what? That's part of our philosophy. At times we're going to be put in those situations. You got to accept it and you got to communicate. You got to talk, you got to be connected. Uh, but ultimately I don't think it's anything I do. I don't, I, I don't have this magical formula to say, Hey, you got to play hard. Kids play hard. And, and I'll be honest with you. I mean, it's pretty easy to see when, when you get steals and you can go score layups, that's pretty fun. And uh, you know, if we, if we play great defense, we get those opportunities or we get steals and we hit a transition three. And now what, you know, we just talked, you just talked about it, like being in a small community. Now you got that crowd on the feet. You got all these people celebrating and high-fiving in the stands. The team is now. It brings, creates energy, and then that translates to every other part of the game. No doubt about it. And as you work on and talk specifically about the run and jump, I'm curious, when did you start playing this way? We, uh, my first year, we, we, we didn't do much of it at all. We just didn't have the personnel. Second year, we got more into it just because we had some length on the perimeter. We had a couple quick guards. But um, in 2020, 2020, 2019, 2020, that's when we kind of converted to, you know, we're still, we're still going to get, you know, we're going to get in gaps and we're going to play good half-court defense. But I felt like, hey, we got a couple, we had a great defender and Jake Noel. We had a great defender in Jake Towns and we had a great defender in Trey Kalakovich, um, you know, on the perimeter. Then we got long guys behind it and Hunter, Tyler, Joey, Noel, Nolan Duran was a good defender. Um, Isaac Espinosa had good length. So I felt like, Hey, you know, we could, we, we want to not only that, but what's it going to do? It's going to give us more possessions. Hopefully we speed them up instead of taking, you know, I mean, we had a really good team. Teams are going to come down and they're going to, they're going to realize we're good. And they're going to say, okay, we got to be patient on offense. We got to take 45 seconds to a minute off the clock. We minimize their opportunities. Now they may be not as potent on offense. We get stagnant. So I felt like, hey, let's let's ramp it up. Let's get after it. And, and hopefully it, it creates easy to offense. And, and it did. This year uh, we averaged as a team um, just under like 11.7 turnovers a game. And we actually – had 12.3 steals a game. So we, we stole the ball more than we turned it over. Mm. Well, um, yeah. A lot of those turnovers, you know, I mean, we had different personnel on the, on the floor in the fourth quarter and some of those blowouts. So. So you're creating more live ball turnovers than you're even giving up turnovers in general period. I mean, yeah, that's, we're, that's huge. We're getting, and, and we got kids that can score it and we got kids that can play fast and they want to play fast. And we got shooters. We got guys that streak to the rim and now now, when they know, hey, if I if I do what's asked of me, and I get a steal, I may be getting, I might get off on the other end. I might get an open three. I might get in a, you know, what's what the shooter want to do when the ball isn't going in the basket? He wants to see it in the basket. Now you get a layup with no one guarding you. Hey, now I'm confident. I'm a little bit more energy, and it also I think it 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 allows kids that aren't great basketball players per se that are just good athletes or, or just knowledgeable guys. Hey, if I just buy in the Boston, my bot for a couple minutes each half, and now they're starting to feel more a part of it, even though they haven't scored. Hey, I got a steal. I got a deflection. I didn't, sometimes you don't get a steal. You don't get a deflection, but it's the point is you got to the right spot. So that team wasn't able to get the ball where they need it to, to be successful. Um, or you might get that kid that, you know, doesn't play a lot, but now he's getting an opportunity because he he got a transition layup, and and now he feels a little bit more a part of it. And quite honestly, I mean, 
you have to have elite athletes. You got to have kids that are eager to, that are competitive. You got to have great communication. Uh, if you don't have great communication in this defense, you're not going to be successful. That's, that's in life and anything. If you don't communicate properly, you're probably not going to be very successful in marriages and work and basketball, whatever. Um, so you got to have that. And then you got to have kids that are competitive. You got to have, I mean, you can't throw out, you know, five guys that are six, seven, that, that uh, walk with two left feet and run this defense. You got to have in um, when people talk about pressing, I think the main thing is you got to have great on ball defenders. Mm -hmm. If you getting beat and you can't force somebody into that double, then it's not going to be successful. You're going to be playing five on three or five on four, and uh, it's not going to translate into wins. So you've done a great job explaining a lot of the benefits of playing this way and you know, why it's worked for your specific program, which I think that's a sign of any good coach is it's not like this is the only thing we do. You found something that fits the pieces that you have, right? And if, you know, a couple of years down the road, if you have a completely different roster, right, you, you get it, you change things up, right? So those are really great things for us to keep in mind, as well as some of the accountability, the communication aspects that you mentioned. Have you found any downsides before? I mean, and for our listeners, like we'll get into some of the X's, N's, and locations and stuff, but have you found any general downsides to playing this style? Well, the downside is you're going to get, it's going to take some, first of all, you're going to put some kids in, in situations that possibly pick up fouls, right? You're, you're stopped late on a, on a, on a pass and you bump into a guy, um, you come up with a double and, and you come up a little bit early or late or whatever, and you reach, sometimes you get caught where you're five on five on three or whatever, and you're trying to block a shot at the rim. The downside is you're going to give up layups too. And we know that uh, if it's not going to be perfect, every possession, just like any other defense, you know, there's, there, there, you're going to give stuff up in order to get it. But if we can get 14 points in transition off just uncontested layups and then a couple threes and a couple mid range jumpers, and then you give up, you know, three layups, Hey, we're up 22 to six or 24 to six. It's a, it's a, it's a big margin for us at the end of the night. Um, but uh, it, you, you get fatigued. You, I mean, when you're playing hard and you're playing, you know, you're really going after people and you're in your face and, and you don't get a lot of time to go down and relax on defense and, and you got to get on people's grill. And, and another thing is you put, you put some kids in situations where they're not great defenders um, and you try to try to put them on the back end. You don't want them guarding primary guys and you try to get them on the back end. And there's a couple guys that aren't great defenders, but they're great readers. Um, but I think the, all the, the three things that you look at when you, when I look at this, when I do it and you think, okay, you're the downside. Three of them primarily are, you're going to give up layups just because there's times you're going to get beat. Guys are going to make, um, just make plays. Secondly, you're going to put your kids in situations to pick up fouls just because you want them to be aggressive. And then, uh, and then lastly, fatigue. I mean, if we're playing fast, um, you, you're going to get fatigued. Uh, but I've, I've actually had a local coach reach out to me a couple of weeks ago and wanted to talk. And he's just like, how I've never seen a kid on your team look tired. And what do you do? And it, I think this is part of it, you know, doing this, and practice and jumping people and doing defensive stuff all the time. But uh, also it's hard. I mean, it's easy to be tired when you're down 10, right? It's easy to be tired when things aren't going well, but when you're having success, you can find that second gear. But uh, those three things I think are the, the, the three weaknesses or the downsides. I think we're, we're, you know, gonna give up some easy opportunities at times because you're going to get sure. beat, uh, fatigue and then uh, follow trouble. You know, some, some great tidbits right there for coaches listening and thinking maybe we want to implement maybe a more up-tempo, speed-up-the-game type of defense, and maybe the run and jump is is right for you and for your program. Um, you know, with, with coaches that press, but they don't seem like they're all bought in, it seems like, oh, we give up a layup or two, ah, we got to get out of the press. It's like uh, a coach who's playing a zone and they give up a three or something like that. Ah, we got to go back to man-to-man, to -man. but – as you explained, you're going to give up some layups. You're going to give up some things, but 
you're getting a heck of a lot more in return. And with the success that you guys have had, yeah, maybe you give up a, a layup here and there. But if you're causing a bunch of turnovers, especially live ball turnovers, you're getting easy shots on the other end, you're winning the game, right? You, and, and your kids are having a good time playing that style, which makes it a heck of a lot easier to work hard, to not be fatigued and to continue to get up in the defense and make them feel uncomfortable, which is, which is huge. Let's talk about a little bit of the locations where you're trying to, you know, what the, what the run and jump is for a coach who's listening. Maybe they're not quite so familiar with it. And there's obviously different ways and, and tweaks that coaches can make as far as, okay, the ball gets in, we're trying to force them up the sideline. What if they go middle? Where's the run and jump occur? Where are you trying to force them to uh, some of the trapping locations and how you go about some of those formations. So if you could walk us through kind of that first initial, you know, ball entry from say you scored a layup, the ball gets thrown in, you know, where some of your guys are generally aligned, where you're trying to force them and what some of those things look like painting a picture for us uh, throughout this audio. Uh, if we guard the inbounder, he's our, he, he's going to immediately be our gobbler. Um, and oftentimes he's, you know, we, we want the ball to go to the sideline. When that ball goes to the sideline, if we can get a jump from the in, whoever's guarding the inbounder, the backside obviously got to ro rotate up and kind of take the, the one pass we'll always give up is the is the pass behind because they aren't going anywhere they're not advancing the ball um if we don't get a double there what we then want to do is ideally in high school you can get away with it not so much in college because everybody i mean they got guards that can use both hands primarily but in high school we want to force your guard to their weak hand so if you're right-handed we want you to go left. We want you to, we don't want you to catch it on the right side of the floor. And then when you do, we want to overplay that right hand and we want to force you left. And we want to try to get you. If you're, if you're right-handed, you're not comfortable going left. You're going to go up the left side. And at some point, what are you going to try to do? You're not going to probably try to beat us, right? You're going to try to reverse. So instinctively on the back side, if there's another guard at half quarter, whatever, we want to turn that and then we're going to come and jump it. And then everybody else moves up one rotation. So if he's going up the left side, he spins back to the right. The guy on the right side of the floor is going to come up and take that next pass. The guy that's protecting the basket has to understand. I got to kind of play two on one, possibly protecting the basket. And then I got to get, get the, uh, if that, that, that return pass is reversed. Now, what are you going to take it? Now, what are you going to take? You got to take that, you got to take away the ball side corner and you got to protect the rim. And then we have to have people on that we're doubling. Now, where do you got to go? One of you got to sprint back. One of you got to read the next pass. It's, it's constant communication. You're going to be putting your five man in situations where our five man, oftentimes the, the two time, I mean, the two spots that he gets picked on the most is that when the ball's thrown to the middle and we don't have a good we don't, we don't communicate great and it goes there and he has to come up and guard that, try to create, I mean, try to not let that guy get to the rim. And then the other spot is the corner. And then what happens when you go to the corner, if our five's going out to the corner, what do we have to have now? We have to have communication. We got to get a guard to understand, okay, I, I got to really battle. I got to battle in the post and I'm going to give up some size, but you know, if, if we don't allow the ball to get, you know, thrown two or three times. If we come over and we get that good trap and then, you know, sometimes you aren't going to be able to force a guy to the, to, to his weak stand. So we're over top. We're coming up the right side. He's right handed. They got a guy in the corner. They got a guy in the middle. They got two guys that probably one bringing, you know, with the guy bringing the ball up. And then there's a guy in the backside. We're on top of our guys about six feet on top of them. So we can get in that next passing lane. If they're coming up the right side, we want to, as soon as he puts his head down, the guy on the right side, we want you to go jump. We want you to go jump a, a, a guy. If he's not vulnerable, then we don't want you to. We want you to turn him or whatever. We want a guy feeling confident, especially a guy that isn't a great ball handler, feeling confident, like, okay, I just beat my guy or I got to stop. And then before he knows it, we got, a nut, we got the next guy coming. Everybody else moves up a rotation. We take away, we take away the, the strong side corner. We try to take away the middle. We we take away the guy protecting the rim or their their post player with the rim protector. 
If you get a good double team at half court, there's about two or 3% of the guards in our league, not in our league, but just in the state of Michigan, probably in high school that are going to make that weak side pass. When they make that weak side pass, as we just talked about, you're going to give up that at times, right? You're going to have to play two on one on the one on two on the backside. Um, but our primary focus is we want to double early with the inbounder. Um, if we can, if we don't get that, we want to double when we get a guy turning, we want to turn them. And then lastly, we want to get a guy feeling confident and going fast and playing fast and, uh, coming up and getting that double and then taking away the strong side. And we want them to try to beat us in the backside. If the ball gets thrown from half court to the backside corner, it's going to take, you know, I don't know roughly exactly how long that, that passes in the air, but that gives us hopefully a half a second to understand, okay, it's getting reversed. Now, what do we got to do? We all got to talk. We got to conversate. And now we got to go in and be organized so we can jump it again. So, couple questions here. First off, uh, you said, if you can, you try to double that first pass. Um, if the inbounder throws the basketball in defender on the inbounder goes and performs that double. And then the, the inbounder stays back, right? You're not rotating up for that. You're just getting a trap. Everybody else is looking to, to pick it. We're right? rotating up. And oftentimes when they do that, they'll have a guy probably in the middle mm -hmm. and so going to do is we're going to rotate we can rotate up but that guy is still going to protect that he's going to be in front he, he's going to be six feet hopefully in front of that guy in the middle so what we can do with him now is he can take away the middle and then if the ball is thrown back now what he's going to do is he's going to go pressure the basketball one of the two doublers now has to know okay we're, we're what what's wide open the middle is open but also the two guys on the back side now have to rotate up a spot it may not, they, they don't want to, we don't want them entirely rotating up to the middle mm -hmm. because the guy that's getting return passes and very vulnerable because he's not getting guarded. So when that return pass is made and then we, we, we leave the middle to go guard that now we're going to do our best to force them up a sideline, take away that middle. And now if we are caught two on one in the backside, we're okay because that 75 foot pass isn't going to be made by most guards. So, so after the trap, sorry to interrupt you. So after, after the trap, ball goes back, player from the middle comes up to stop ball basically and hopefully push them probably to the opposite sideline. That guy who is trapping and, and guarding the inbounder, he's booking it back to the middle? He's booking it back to the middle. So gotcha. that's, it's important that that guy from the middle comes up and what's he got to do? He's got to have high hands, he's got to have quick feet, and he's got to be ready to play defense. Because if he's not doing all three of those things, the ball is going to go from the trap to the inbounder, excuse me, to the guy that inbounded the ball to the middle. Now we're caught three on two. Mm -hmm. um, so there's kind of your jump variation there's times, right there. Yep. And there's times that there's a great ball. I mean, there, there's, there's, there's a guy in the middle that's their best ball handler. And he just happens to be in the middle because they feel like, hey, getting it to the middle. And in that situation, we wouldn't leave the middle to go to go take that inbounder. What we would do is stay connected to the guy in the middle. And then our doubler would have to get back over there. And he's got to bust his butt. And now what's he doing again? He's trying to force him up the sideline or he's trying to turn him where we can come double from the from. We're either going to come double from the sideline, strong side, or we're going to hopefully turn him and get them to, uh, and then get that double from the backside. Then the backside wing or block or whatever would have to rotate up. If you're six or eight feet above your guy, it's just easier, right? If you're below them, if you're six or eight. When, when I played basketball, uh, your whole life, where are you taught to be? In between your man yeah, and the basket. Stay between your man and the basket. Yep. Now, now, now um, you look at college games. I mean, there's guys on top of people all the time. They're in the, they're, they're in alleys, they're in gaps, they're overplaying six, eight feet. I mean, when you see really good guards in college or professional level, they're coming off pin downs. That guy that's, that guy that's, um, making the switch is four to five feet off over top of them. What's he want them to do? He wants to get them to curl. He wants to get them to, to not shoot a three. We want to get kids to back cut from the corner because what are they going to back cut into? We're going to back mm -hmm. into 
other defender. They're going to back cut into one of their guys on offense. What we don't want is guys back cutting from the opposite side because then they may get layups. Sure. Um, but a lot of kids don't know how to move real well without the ball. And we just want to speed up average players because, or even good players, good players. I think if you really force them into difficult decisions, they're going to turn average average guards. If you force them into difficult decisions, they won't, you know, they, they turn out to be not so average (laughs) things up. We want to force them into tough decisions and we just, you know, a lot of it's just scrambling. There's times that, that we get a bad double. We get a guy that shouldn't be doubling, but because our kids are so connected and eager to play defense and get up and, and take away the next pass, it still sometimes works out. Um, okay. So let's say this is, this is good stuff. It there's while you're talking about all, all this, there's the fatigue factor of the other team that's being thrown in that maybe you're not causing that turnover in the first quarter. Maybe it's not in the third quarter. By the time that fourth quarter comes around, right. And players don't just quite have the gas in the tank and also the mental energy that they are expending because you're making them have to make more decisions throughout the course of the game compared to just walking it up every time. And my decision-making really doesn't happen until I'm in a third of the court set. That was a full court decision, 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 decision. And now think of that. If, if you can make a kid have to make a hundred decisions in a game instead of 25, well, just the quantity of it, they're going to end up making some more mistakes because they just had to make a hundred more decisions or 75 more decisions in that given situation, fatigue factor compounds. And so you're doing some really good things, good things there. Uh, we could talk about a million variations of just the, the inbound itself. Cause I have, I actually have a whole, whole another question or two in my mind of it, but what we could talk off air about that. So let's say ball gets kicked back and you start to, okay, you're, you've performed the first jump or maybe it's just the inbound and you're not doubling it and you do a good job of pushing the player up the sideline. Where are the spots that you're really trying to hunt down to, to get that trap, to get all your rotations and what does the court look like in those situations? Uh, If we get that guy going up the sideline, we want to get him across half court. We want to trap once he crosses half. If he doesn't, if he, if he doesn't cross half court, what's he got? He's a reverse pass, but we want to get him across half court and we want to use that sideline. We want to use half court. And now we got two defenders. It's ultimately four guys guarding one. Um, so now you got basically, he can't go, he can't go any farther sideways or he's going to step out of bounds. He can't uh, retreat dribble and go be, he can't pass the ball back. If we come up with a great trap there, then, then that's, that's the primary spot. Um, when we force them up the sideline and then if, if we force them up the sideline and we can't come with a great trap, um, you know, just because he's not vulnerable, he's going, he's going at his pace. We didn't really turn him. We didn't speed him up. He's a good basketball player. We want him to throw the ball to the corner and then we want to go get it again. Um, throw that ball to the corner. And now the guy that was just guarding the ball, he's going to go double the guy that was going to take away the reverse pass on the opposite side. He's going to come over and read. And then we got a guard or a wing on the backside. He's going to have to play two on one. And it makes it easier for our five man because what's he have to do? He had the same job. Um, he don't have to, he don't have to leave. He don't have to leave that spot. If if we're trapping in the corner and he's guarding a guy at the at the nail or he's guarding a guy at the block, he doesn't have to move. Mm-hmm. It doesn't he's our big guy. And he's mm-hmm. got one job. Don't let the ball go there. Don't let it get thrown to the block. Don't let it get thrown to the nail. And then what do our guards got to do? They got to, hey, my job is I got to run 25 feet to intercept that next pass. And sometimes it ain't even to intercept the next pass. It's to not allow an easy three or a walk-in drive. Um, you got to be connected. You got to say, okay, it's it's like a string. When, when you see a guy moving that way, you're on that string. You got to slide with them. Mm. If you don't, then that's where you're vulnerable. That's where you're going to give up um, bad situations. But if you get that trap in the corner again, now you're ultimately four defenders again, right? You got the sideline, you got the baseline. We're going to cut off baseline. Uh, we're going to hopefully not let you get retreat up the back and throw it back, you know, one or two dribbles to get space and get up, get approach where you would start your offense. So now we got four guys on you technically. 
and we're still playing, you know, we're reading the next one. If you're on the sideline, you take away the next pass, you take away the block. Now, ultimately, the guy in the corner, we don't really have to guard because that pass isn't probably going to be made if it's a good trap. You right. are going to be – they got a guy in the block or whatever. They got a – we got a defender, and then that pass is probably not going to be able to be made, especially at the height. Um, so so we want to take away the next one. We want to take away reverse pass there. And then we got to – then then that's the difficulty. When the ball gets reversed – and you got a guy in the top side slot and, a, and you got a guy in the, or excuse me, the weak side slot. And then you got a guy in the weak side corner. Now that one guy has got to, okay, what do I do? What do, what do I have to do here now? I got to, you know, and we, we want to give, we, we want them to take two or three steps off. Now we don't want to overplay that pass because if they, they then can throw it in the corner. So that's where you gotta, you gotta play two on one and you mm-hmm. gotta read it. And if the ball is thrown to the top, you have two options. You can go pressure the heck out of the basketball, or you can stun it. And if you stun it, then it allows our guard that was just guarding the basketball to understand, okay, I can come guard it now because the guy's indecisive. But if you pressure it, now the guy that was guarding the basketball or the doubler has to sprint, you know, 30, 30 feet from side to side. So there's got to be a lot of communication and, and you got to understand defensive te- te- techniques. You got to understand that, you know, we're not always going to trap. We're going to stunt sometimes. Just the, what, what's a stunt going to do? It's going to slow them up for three tenths of a second. And now it allows us to play five on five basketball again. Um, I don't care how good we are. If we play five on four every night, we're not going to be very successful, especially in the defensive end. And, and the accountability part of it is, is big. Because, hey, I just had two guys do their job. And because I didn't, we just gave up a reverse pass. And now I put a guy in a two-on-one situation. Mm-hmm. We talk all the time at practice. Like, you know, we got four guys that did the right thing, not just on the run and jump, but I always reference it to McDonald's. We go to McDonald's. First person comes on, they take your order, right? Second person takes your money. You got to have the third person make it. The fourth person bags it. The fifth person brings it to you. You're hungry. You want to eat your Big Mac and fries and you're ready to suck down that milkshake or that Coke or Dr. Pepper or whatever. You get halfway home and you start digging into that Big Mac and it wasn't supposed to have lettuce. It was in, in pickles and that dang thing has lettuce and pickles on it. Mm-hmm, you're mm-hmm. Well, that's the same thing in basketball. You know, if we don't have five guys on the same page and, and all five be connected and hold each other accountable, then it's going to, it, it's not going to work well. And we aren't, we aren't going to have a lot of fun playing this defense, but it's a lot of accountability. It's a lot of connection. It's a lot of communication and you got to bust your butt in order to do it. And I think I found the key to your coaching success is comparing basketball to food with teenage boys. That's, I mean, that's for sure. They're going to get it when you break it down like that. That's, that's genius, genius stuff right there. When, when you're, when you're running the press, you try to get a trap in your half court, they throw it down to the strong side corner. You're trying to run down and trap there. Is that the only time that you would trap twice? Or are there other situations where you would do that? There's other situations. There's, there's times that, um, especially if a team has somebody that we don't, we, we don't target them as a great offensive player. So what we're going to do is we're, Hey, just get, get eight, 10 feet above them. And it's, it, it works a lot better when the other team is on offense in front of our bench. Cause I can say, Hey, you know, Sage Slanik was the one guy that did it for us a lot this year or in the last couple of years, like Sage, um, he was a guy that primarily guarded a guy that wasn't a great offensive player and he's a great receiver. So he's got to know, he's got to understand how to get, get the basketball, right? If you're an all state receiver, you got to have instincts and intuitions and understand how to do that. And you just kind of give them that wink, like, or that, that shrug or say, Hey, Sage, go get it. And that's, those are situations, you know, where, where we might get a third or four trap or, or just get, hey, they're vulnerable. Or or it's another situation where they're resting one of their best guards 
and they got a kid that isn't very strong ball handler. Now we're going to, we're going to trap them 20 times if we can, you know, in one possession, if we can speed them up, as you said, he don't plan on making a ton of decisions going into the game. He don't think he's going to play a lot, but now their best guards fatigued. And now you put a kid that's not very confident in a situation where he's got to be confident and poised and you don't, you don't, we could, we, we talk another analogy I use is, you know, I mean, if you could drive to Port Huron, you'd want to drive 55, right? And, and you'd one lane highway. Sometimes it isn't like that. There's road construction. You got to go on a dirt road. You got to go on this bumpy road. You got to do all this stuff. If you allowed a guy to just get in cruise control and drive from Lexington, Michigan to Port Huron, and there wasn't another guy on the road and it was 55, 60 miles an hour, it's not a bad drive. You go on a Sunday, you know, being from USA, you probably heard of the, the, um, the garage sale trail that lasts about 90 miles. You're driving through the garage sale trail. That's what we want our defense to be like, because it's not going to be fun. There's going to be people pulling out in front of you. They're going to be honking. You're, you're going to, you're, you're never going to feel comfortable. I don't drive in the city a lot, but I had to go pick my wife up from the airport, uh, drop her off and pick her up in the last week. And it, 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 I just don't enjoy it. And that's what we want our defense to be. We don't want you to enjoy playing against us. We want you to be nervous. We want you to be scared. We don't want you to be confident. We want to put you in situations where you're uncomfortable. Um, if somebody comes in and in, in the barbershop and doesn't, you know, he's got long hair and he says, I only want a half inch off. I'm not the guy to cut his hair. Um, you know, I'm uncomfortable. I don't want to do it. I don't feel like I should. That's what we want guards to feel like. We don't want them to be comfortable. We want them to be uncomfortable. We want to put them in a situation where you got to make decisions, man. If, and, and we want to speed you up. And when you make a wrong decision and you see a score on another end, it ain't gonna it ain't gonna boost your confidence. And then, you know, as you said, we we wear teams out um, with the fatigue earlier. And there's been moments this year where in the third quarter you just see it like a 6-0, 8-0 runs coming because they're looking at their coach like, dude, you need to pull me out coach. And then they're looking at each other like, man, we, they've been going at us for 20 minutes. They're not letting up. I, yeah. I, got, off, I got off the question. I'm sorry. Well, you know, um, there's, there's definitely a, the mental aspect of, of that. And uh, you know, the, the constant pressure and, you know, I, I like what you said, you don't have a specific rule of say, Hey, strong side. Okay. We get them going down the sideline. We trap, they throw it to the corner. We trap. Yeah. That may be the, the base of it, but you're calling some audibles here and there. It de also depends on the personnel that's out on the court. And I think that's a good sign of, you know, any strong team, strong program is, yeah, you have your, your baseline of what, you know, like our defense is where we're trying to run them up the sideline. We're trying to jump it with that next guy coming across. Say it's a two, one, two set. Right. Is there is there bringing the basketball up? You got the basketball on the right side and they went up the right sideline and you got that next person who's, you know, that pass away to the left sideline. He's he's coming as you get the basketball sped up. He's he's making that double. Everybody else is rotating over. As you said, the big on the back line, he's got to play two on one. Right. Because he's got to see where, you know, the, the back corner guy might be, where the post guy is. Right. He's got to read some of that. You're taking away. You're taking away that strong side pass, trying to, to pick it. You're rotating up, right? Once the ball gets past half court, you're trying, you're trying to pick that, right? And, and, and you're playing that game. But at the same time, if something breaks down or if they don't have their best player out on the court, it's not over. We're still coming to get you. We are still coming to heat you up if that's what gives our team the best chance to make life hell for you and, and to get another turnover going down the court. Now, thank you for listening. To this episode on the run and jump defense and if it seems like it's cutting out here and there with the audio you would be 100 accurate in fact we recorded this with a thunderstorm slash tornado warning so i was just grateful that the audio was still working and the connection was working throughout the show so we appreciate your understanding as you listen to this episode thanks back to the show do you do like the base, base run and jump? Like if you just looked up on the internet, run and jump defense, and there would be some graphs of like, okay, let's say the ball is inbounded and they're bringing it down the right side of the court and you get beat to the middle of the court. So a kid's dribbling left, but he's coming across the middle. And let's say it's like a two, one, two setup, for example, the person who's on the, 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 the weak side as the ball's being dribbled to them. And do you have them? 
stop the ball and then the person that was on ball go back and guard the person that they were just guarding and then everybody else on the on the back stays put well it, that's a scenario where it's all communication we want that guy on the backside to come stop the ball but there might be somebody closer to that that corner that can say okay you know if if i'm going to come up and guard the basketball i got to say i got basketball so the mm -hmm. other four guys know what i'm doing right and then that guy that was just beat he may not have to go to the opposite corner he might just have to take six steps back and go guard the backside now it depends on where they are yes everybody else was you know if we're playing above the ball the guy that's playing above the ball is probably closer to that corner than what the guy that was just getting beat on off the dribble is and now he goes backside and it's all about rotations it's all about communication and it's it's i mean I just call it a scramble. We're scrambling. We're, we're constantly moving. And when we aren't moving, that's when we're not going to be successful. Um, and you practice that enough, you get good at it. Right. So, so my, my question was if, if they just, let's say they just inbounded the ball to you, you don't double the first inbound, right. And that kid gets yeah. the basketball and instead of dribbling up the sideline, they dribble to the middle. And so you got two guys in the backcourt. The other three guys are all the way, all the way down in the, in the front court. Do you, do you ever just jump and switch those two guys and leave everybody yes, else where we, they're at? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, okay. and that, and, and it's, it's all communication. Like, you know, Hey, I'm beat. Hey, I, I got it. You got me. I got okay. it. You got me. Gotcha. You know? And then when we do, when we do switch it, that's, that's one of the weaknesses, right. Of the run and jump, because now we may have our best on the ball defender who just got beat. And now we have our fourth or fifth, best on the ball defender now guarding their primary point guard but that's when you get in gaps you overplay and and that's where you got to have buy-in from everybody because you're going to put be put in vulnerable situations at times and you in you know in in order for this to be successful i think you got to be a good first of all you got to be a good defender individually mm -hmm. um so we work on that a lot and hopefully that fourth or fifth best defender for us on the floor at that time is would be the first or second on other teams because we focus so much on defense but yeah that's a switch right there and then everybody else has got to be connected and then as soon as that switch is made let's say that it's a two one two and they, they're running their half court offense and they got two guys on top and the switch was made from the top two guys and the ball gets thrown and that ball gets thrown to the corner. Now, now, what are we going to do again? We're going to, we're hopefully smart enough to switch it back where we don't have that fourth guy. And then what are we going to do? We're going to, we're going to try to hound them again. We're going to try to either jump it in the corner or we're just going to pressure the heck out of a guy at the top. And that's where, you know, now it's in the half court so that they may not be as vulnerable in the run and jump, but that's where I talked about earlier about Sage or whoever, you know, that's where we might say, hey, you know, leave your guy, give him that nod or, hey, Sage, go read it, go jump it. And then every what's everybody else got to be aware of now? Like, I can't be just connected to my guy. I got to be connected to the whole floor because it could, we're, we're playing during their half court. They're 35 feet from the basket, 30 feet from the basket, and we're playing four on three. And, uh, you know, we do a lot of a lot of disadvantage stuff and when you do disadvantage stuff what do you have to learn how to do you have to learn how to communicate and when we do disadvantage stuff we take away the strong side we take away the middle and we try to force guys up the sidelines so i think it leads into our into our philosophies for the one run and jump there's that would be yes that would be a switch right there what you're talking about and then ultimately we want to switch that thing back as, as quickly as possible mm -hmm. um or it might be um, let's say Trey Kalakovich was coming, he was guarding that guy and he's our best on the ball defender and somebody else comes from the, from the side and, um, whoever came from that side to stop the ball. Now we might just, I might just say, Hey, Trey, don't leave it. Just stay on it. Just double it. Now double it rather than switch it. Because what are we trying to do? We're trying to get the ball out of that guy's hands. Out of his hands. Elite gotcha. I mean, because it's no, that makes sense. Because he's an elite. So we might just say, hey, just stay connected to it, double it. And then we can we can allow him to pass the ball 
when he passes the ball, now it's in their third, fourth, or fifth basketball player's hands. And now we can, we, it gives us a half second, hopefully to, okay, collectively, now we got to make their next rotation. Now we're five on five again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, I like that because you're getting the ball out of the best player's hand. I mean, that's that's great. Yes, yeah. they went middle, but at the same time, if that's the best ball handler's hand, you really want to make sure they're getting it out of his hand. All right, well, you you, you jumped it with the weak side guy. You kept the on-ball defender on there. There's your double right there. And, yeah, the ball, basketball might be in the middle of the court, but positive is you got it out of the best player's hand. And chances are, especially if you're, you have the speed like you guys have, well, now it's in a track meet and you're chasing them down and you, you can force them up the sideline and, and you're still in your run and jump press right there. I think that's a that's a really good nugget for the teams that are listening, the coaches that are listening. You're like, you know, we got enough speed to, to pull that off. I know a lot of t- a lot of coaches might be listening and be like, we just couldn't, you know, probably physically pull that yeah. off. Um, but it, it, it can be done if you have the personnel. Uh, that was where I always had some a little trouble with the run and jump because in my limited coaching experience, we basically ran, we just called it panic because I always felt like people don't like to hear the word panic. So we'd yell, I'd yell panic. And then the five guys would yell panic. And then the other team would yell panic and they'd maybe throw it out of bounds. So they start panicking. So, but the, the point, the only thing that we didn't do is we usually didn't do a full jump and, and switch. If for some reason we got beat to the middle, it was more like, listen, you're on that ball handler you got beat middle. You shouldn't have, you're going to pick a spot and beat them, beat them. And that next player who's, who's off is going to stunt and recover. If they have to, they're going to going to stop the ball and then they're going to try to get quick back. Um, because just in my experience, and maybe it's just cause I didn't coach it that well, teams would start to figure out if I can just beat my guy to the middle and I start to bait when that guy's going to come up and jump it, the ball moves faster than the defender. And I, if I can really start to zip that zip that pass to the guy where, you know, if 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 I'm on the right side and I start going to the left to the middle and I start to see the guy from my left side come up and jump it and I got two players on me for a quick second, if I can get that basketball up quick to the to my teammate who the defender just left, if he can get that basketball and get ahead of steam, well now we got a three on two. And probably the best defender too is is back here with Mathenia, the point guard. And I mean, that to me is is a little bit of a, a weakness in the defense if you do it that way. But at the same time, like a ton of people do it. So I, it's probably more just me not quite getting it, you know, maybe the way I should. Well, I think we always on offense, if you're going against the press, where do you want to get the ball? You want to get it to the middle, right? And that's the one thing you don't want it to be be allowed to get it to the middle. Uh, the one thing that we we try to do um, by I can sh- kind of show you here and while, while you're drawn, you know, we had we had Coach Mez on the podcast and uh, or in our coaches edge meeting. And he's like, if 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 the referee isn't blowing the whistle every once in a while, we're not playing defense. Right. And so that comes back to also like if you want to force the basketball up the sideline. God darn it, it better be going up the sideline. And it, yeah. it, if you're getting beat to the middle, you're either going to foul them every once in a while because, like, we're not getting beat to the middle, or you're just going to be on the bench and somebody else who can do your job is, is going to come and do it for you. <laughs> no, most definitely. Let's say this guy, this guy right here is bringing the ball up and he gets beat middle. We want to be so far over here in the middle on top of our guy. Or, or in that stunt or in that help situation where he don't even feel confident now, right? Yeah, so what coach is, what coach is breaking down is, is basically like you got to be enough, as he's he kind of showing me on some notes, of yeah, if you, if you have the basketball and you're on, say, the right side of the court, that defender to, you know, what would be the, the other side of the court, the weak side, he's enough into the gap that that player doesn't feel like he can really beat his man to the middle. Cause there's already somebody there waiting for him. And he's got, he's, he's yes. Yeah. He's got, and his, and he's got another set of eyes saying, okay, heck man, I just beat my guy, but now I already got somebody here. They shouldn't just be there. They should be there with a purpose. Right. Now. It, it, okay. I'm not just going to be here and have it be like, okay, I'm, I'm here. No, you got to be there with a, with a purpose. Now what do you got to do? You got to give him no time to think he's comfortable. You now you got to go up and guard it. 
and now, you know, hey, he isn't comfortable. Now he drag dribbles or, or retreat dribbles for, you know, two or three dribbles. Now what's it allow everybody else to do? Communicate, get where they want to be. And now we're playing five on five again. Mm-hmm. So uh, we don't want, just like if a guy gets beat going up the sideline, that guy in the corner, we want him six, eight, ten feet above the guy in the corner. So what are you doing? You're in help. You're in gap. You're showing the guy right now, like, hey, dude, you just got by our guy, but I'm waiting here for you. Mm-hmm. So feel like it's going to be easy now. And that's where that's where we're going to stun a lot. We're just mm-hmm. going to show quick stunt, um, you know, and then recover to the corner. And then oftentimes, what's that guy going to do? He's not going to, he's not going to try to get all the way to the rim. He's not, uh, most people aren't good enough to pull, to, to shoot a transition three. So if you stunt momentarily, what's he think you're going to do? He thinks you're going to come at him. So what, what more times than not is he going to do? He's going to throw it to the corner. You stunt, you're, you're six, eight feet away. By the time that ball's in the air, you should be, you should be moving. You should be closing out. You should take away that, that strong side three and now what are we again we're already connected to the guy in the middle of the block and now the guy that just got beat all he has to do is move eight or ten feet he's guarding his original ball handler we got the backside covered and we're all good mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It's happened like that but that's the thought process well you know you put pressure on like this and you know you can be like all right well we're just gonna try this first trap hey maybe to go out even if it goes to the corner hey we're just gonna go and play man Oh, we're going to chase yeah. it. We're going to, we're going to go double. Like there's, you know, because there's so much just hard man-to-man defense basically is the staple baseline of, of this defense. So it's so easy to take this defense and then just, hey, we're just going to play man right out of it. If we don't get anything good, even on the first time across half court. And, you know, what you mentioned was, as you're explaining on, um, on some notes that you were showing me was like, if the, if the basketball is way deep in the backcourt, right? You're letting that pass go, go back anyway, right? Because you got that guy yeah. in the gap. And as you're starting to force it, now they're getting closer to half court, right? Now, now they're really in trouble. And, and so it, it's, it becomes a little bit more condensed, a little bit easier to make some of those rotations. And in the full court, it's essentially just as easy because you already have those rules. And if you get spread out, it's okay. That other guy's back, we're letting the ball go backward. And then we can go out and get them and try to chase them down the sideline. And the defense starts over on the other side with the run and jump, which is, uh, which is all good stuff. Um, what would you say, you know, co- <laughs> coaches, thank you for listening to this. I hope this makes sense. It is, it is like, it, it's a fun defense to talk about at the same time. I hope that I'm going to re-listen to this in like a week or two and be like, yeah, that actually made sense of uh, visualizing all the locations on, on the court. Uh, it makes sense as we're talking about it live anyway. But um, with, with that said, if you're talking to a coach, just think, hey, maybe we're going to throw in, you know, this this defense. Maybe we'll make it our main press. What's some advice that you would give them? First of all, you got to be, you got to, you got to stay true to it. And you got to focus on defense. And we talked about it at our banquet last night. Practice for us is not, a lot of fun. It, it's fun because, because you get out in transition you, you get to play fast and stuff. But I mean, we break things down. We, we, we go one-on-one for six minutes a day, finishing drills. We go two on two, stunting and recover from the side. We go three on three closeouts. We go four on four, no hands. We're spending the first half hour, 45 minutes, some days of practice like that. We're going five on four uh, disadvantage. So if, if you don't have a guy, first of all, you, you don't have a couple elite defenders that can really speed people up and force them into difficult decisions, then you can't play this. But if you got five kids, like you, your podcast, you did the other night, the Zoom meeting, excuse me, um, with the coach from South Carolina. I mean, you could just tell, like, he gets his kids to play hard. And uh, if you don't play hard, then he talked about it too, accountability. But um First is you got to you, you got to trust it and you got to believe in it and you got to understand you're going to give things up but you hope to get them. But you got to have athletes and you got to have kids willing. You you got to have leaders that are going to hold each other accountable. Um, because if they don't, you can have four guys do their job and one guy doesn't, and and it work. But um, it, it, we're blessed at Crosslux. It isn't like I'm throwing out five non basketball players and saying, hey, go run and jump, and we're, we're getting all these deals. We had Jake Knoll, who was the 2020 BWAC 
defensive player of the year, one of the top defensive players in the area. And then we have Trey Kolakovich the last two years that has been our league defensive player of the year. And he was just the thumb defensive player of the year, two consecutive years. And quite honestly, I think Jake Townsend and Trey are identical. So we got two great guards and, and they, they pressure the heck out of you and they are going to relentless and when you do something bad there's times that they might let you know about it and get in your head and now you're thinking okay I just want to get rid of the damn ball I want to get it to somebody else let them make the bad decision um but you gotta have you gotta got you gotta have first of all you gotta get you gotta be in great condition you gotta have guys that are willing to accept the roles you gotta have great communication and you do have to have athletes and you gotta have kids that can play fast and with quick feet and, and, and buy into it. And, uh, so I think the communication is something that, that sometimes is lost in it, but you got to have great communication. Um, uh, first and foremost, if you don't communicate and you don't know when the double's coming, you don't see a double, you know, you're on the backside and you're kind of turned in the wrong situation and you don't see that there's a double coming and, and you didn't hear it and you didn't hear the jump and you didn't hear, I got ball. And then, we're two, we're, they're playing three on two and we got two guys in the backside and neither of them say, I got the next pass, then it's probably not going to work. So, um, we had, we had kids that just, it was a great culture. They got along, they enjoyed playing with each other. And because of that, they, uh, they held each other accountable and we got eight guys on the bench saying, okay, you know what, if you screw up, I'll take your spot. They're coming in eight or 10 minutes. Hmm. And, um, so, uh, I don't know if that answered your question. I'm kind of that the, the ADHD stuff, man. It's, no, it absolutely answers the answers the questions. Those are all key nuggets, I think, that make up you know any good defense, especially one that's designed more towards pressure and creating turnovers. You 100% need those things. I don't know if you necessarily need as many of those characteristics, although they'll be super beneficial if you were playing more of like a sagging zone, just kind of protect type defense. Um, but the fact like you're going out, you're getting after people. Um, so, so those things that you mentioned, I think are essential, whether you're running run, run and jump, maybe running like a two, two, one. And that's like super high pressure, really forcing the ball down the sidelines, really getting after enforcing traps um, is really important as well. Um, coach, you've been a part of the coach's edge since the very beginning, like our very first launch, can, you know, for somebody, could you just tell us, you know, how, how the Coach's Edge membership and the stuff we have going on uh, has helped you? Uh, it's helped me tremendously. I mean, you break the game down in so many, so many ways and with, with stuff, you know, your PDFs or your videos and the Zoom meetings are informative because you talk about something different all the time. It's not just one facet of the game or two areas of the game or three areas of the game. You bring on like that, that Zoom you had the other night with the guy from South Carolina, I mean, I wanted to lace him up for him. That dude was high energy, and you can tell he's – he's if you don't play – everything he says is true. You can see that just in the first five minutes he's talking. But um, it, it, it just it, – it breaks it down, and, it, and we learn from each other. Um, we steal from each other. I don't, I don't care how great of a coach you are or how great of a coach you think you are. You, you, 90% of the stuff you got is from somebody else and, and you translate it. And I've picked up so many things. I mean, we had a national championship, uh, junior college coach that you've had on AJ Burton and his four out offense. You know, I picked up a bunch of drills from him and then Troshack does so many things, but, um, uh, it, it, it's just good. You have avenues that you can talk to a lot of these coaches, that, you know, I don't see them on a daily basis, a weekly basis, sometimes even a yearly basis. So it's guys that don't know a lot about Croslux and I don't know a lot about them. Sometimes when you're, you're collectively meeting with four or five guys that you know everything about their program, you don't, it, it's the, the conversation isn't as insightful because you already have a pre-records that, you know, you already, you kind of have a mindset like, okay, this is, this is what they are. He can tell me something different, but this is what they are. So when you're talking with other people that they don't, you don't know what they're, and then within five minutes, you understand what they're about or they ask questions and, and it's it just constant feedback. Um, and, and you, you upload something like 
every couple of days I get an email, Hey, this was <laughs> uploaded. And, and, you know, we, I've, I've sold a lot of your one-on-one drills, your two-on-two, you, you know, your three-on-three closeout drill. I mean, we make that a part of our, our warm-up, and that's something we do a lot. And, uh, you know, and all that stuff has made us better defensively. But, um, and, it, and it's great because you're talking basketball with people that understand the game, you know. And, and there's times that, that I, I was talking about our assistant coach yesterday. Um, excuse me, he was at Brown City. He played for Tony Burton. He came to Croslex. I was hesitant. You know, I didn't know a lot about him. And um, we were talking about that and uh, how he came over to Croslex. And uh, the first time that he really mentioned it to me that he'd be interested in coaching, I was giving him a haircut. And I told everybody at the banquet last night, I said, you know how many conversations I've had with people in the barbershop that say, hey, Lance, I'd like to help you coach. Uh, there's probably 500 guys in the barbershop that tell you they can do it better or differently, or they can offer assistance, especially when you're doing well. Um, but, uh, so it, it's, it's, it's just nice talking basketball with people, you know, understand the game. It's not nice talking basketball with people that don't understand the game because you're not learning from them. Um, I learn from these guys all the time. There's stuff I pick up every, every, Zoom meeting, there's something that I can take to our next practice. And I hope when people listen to me, hopefully they can, you know, pick up some stuff at times too. But um, your, your experiences, I mean, you, you do a lot of the small sided games and, and the three on three stuff that you talk about. I think that's something that we, we've focused on more. John Beeline talked about that a lot. Uh, Phil Martelli, like playing one on one, three on three just different. And, and you're bringing a lot of concepts from overseas and that's big because uh, most of those guys who come from overseas are pretty highly skilled players. I mean, you know, so it's good. Well, I appreciate that. And, and, you know, it's, it's cool that you, you talk about the community aspect of it because that's one of my favorite parts. I mean, I love basketball, as you know, we all do. That's why we're in the Coach's Edge membership. We love basketball. We want to get better at coaching, doing what we do, right? But uh, the fact that it's not just the resources, but we can get together, right? If Coach has got a free evening and that's one of our Zoom meetings, we can get together. We get on a call. We have a presentation. We'll have a roundtable discussion. We'll have a guest speaker like we did last week with, with Coach Mez. If you're listening, if you haven't listened to the Coach Mez podcast, because we took a little bit of that audio from our meeting, we'll put it into a podcast. Make sure you listen to that one as well. And so it's just a really good mix, I think, for coaches that are interested in getting our membership. You want some resources to get better? Cool. We got you there. You want some consistent communication with other people that love basketball and are doing what you're doing. We got you there. And if you want to get to have conversations like this in a little bit larger group where we're talking about different discussion points that coaches are having to deal with throughout the course of the year, we got you there as well. So if you think about joining the coach's edge, now's you know one of the few times throughout the course of the year where we really try to push it and get people to join it. Not trying to be salesy, um, but that's just couple years, uh, weeks out of the, out of the year, we try to really open it up to new members. So if you have questions about that, shoot, reach out to coach Campbell, because he was one of our very first uh, members. And, uh, you know, we love the things that he's doing at, at Croslex and Croslex basketball. And in this episode, let's see, we talked about McDonald's. We talked about uh, garage sales and we talked about the run and jump defense. You can't get that anywhere else. You can't, you can't beat that coach. <laughs> well, uh, and, and the, the one thing that you do that I can promise you a lot of these, these groups won't do is you watch our games and you were, you were honest with me in evaluation against Brown city this year. And, you know, and you've watched us um, during our run the previous year, when we played in the quarterfinal, you, you watched film of like our upcoming opponent. I can promise you there's very few people that run that do what you do at your level that would be watching high school games and get offering assistance for what I pay you. I mean, it, it, that's something you're not going to do. And when I, when I send you a message, you respond. When I send you an email, you respond, you get in those bigger groups. It's a heck of a lot more money and you're going to have to deal with four different people before you get the right answer. So um, I think yeah, I've watched probably the coach's edge. Yeah. I appreciate it. I think I've watched, you know, a good 150 high school games, give or take. Uh, th- this winter and some college games as well for some of our members that are that are college coaches and uh, 
if I got to get up at four or 5 a.m. To, to get some extra game film in, I'm, I'm going to do it because that's what I'd love to do. And if, if we grow, then I'll just have more more people like Coach Tro watching some game film that, that he's already done in the past year. He'll watch some game film for us, too. So we got a really cool group of not just coaches in our membership, but other members that contribute to, to the website. I think that makes it pretty, pretty special. So, uh, Coach Campbell. Appreciate you. Thanks for taking the time. We could talk hoop, you know, all day. And, um, you know, there's even some some tweaks to the run and jump. I know we'll, we'll talk about off air as well. So appreciate you. Thanks again for being on the podcast and congratulations to, to you, your coaching staff, your community, your players on another really, really awesome basketball season. Thank you. I was happy to be a part of it and appreciate you giving us, giving myself the opportunity to talk Croslux basketball. Always. That was great. Always love talking basketball with Coach Campbell and his run and jump defense. I'm sure he'd be happy to talk to you personally if you're if you have some questions about the run and jump that you know we didn't dig into or answer within this episode. I'll put his Twitter handle link uh, in the description below. And as we mentioned before, CoachEdge.coach is live. So if you would like to join our membership. Go to coachesedge.coach to learn more. If you have questions, reach out to me, contact at kramerbasketball.com. I'm happy to answer any questions that you might have and see how we can help you and your program elevate, get better, do what you do at a higher level. Thanks again for listening and get after today.